Hello, I'm Ed Hat, and I'm here with Laren Flint. Hey, everybody. We're going to be reading from Matthew 6, uh, 1 through 18. Yesterday was about loving your enemies, so today should be a piece of cake. <laughs> hey. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's get started. Um, giving. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the street, to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Prayer. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they will think, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Fasting. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received the reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to others what you, that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. So, Laren, I mean, <laughs> wow, if we were teaching, we could teach for an hour, but we're not going to do that. So, um, for you, what was kind of one of the, you know, overarching themes uh, that, you know, really caught you from this passage? Yeah. I guess if I were to give a soundbite, I would say motives matter. It's easy to read these these verses and focus and for good reason on what we term the disciples or the Lord's Prayer. Um, but even those verses are housed in a larger context of what true righteousness and how motives play into that. Jesus talks about three common spiritual habits, giving to the poor, prayer, fasting. Each of these has an external practical doing side plus an internal heart component. He warns against performing these practices in a hypocritical way, in a way where our insides don't match what's being done on the outside. As simple as it sounds, when we give, are we giving to give? Are we giving for the pure, unadulterated purpose of helping those in need? Are we giving with false or mixed motives? Does our heart match our outer actions? Our focus should be on meeting the poor's needs, right? Not ourselves and how it makes us look to give. Similarly, are our prayers done for connection with God, intimacy and communicating with our Father in Heaven, or 
Are they a mixed motive situation where we hope others will view us as spiritual when we pray? Are we fasting to fast, to punch through the noise of our flesh and hear God more clearly and place him above worldly priorities? When our true heart motives are not authentic and godly, our reward becomes short-circuited to what we earn in this world and in the here and now. You know, when you're saying that, uh, Laren, I'm thinking that, you know, God isn't condemning us here. Um, right. He's just recognizing that we often do have mixed motives, right? And uh, three times uh, in the passage, he talks about rewarding us. And, and I think he wants those things for us and just wants us to recognize those motives, right? And and just uh, be moving in, in that direction of pure mm-hmm. motives. Mm-hmm. I know as our friendship has developed, I've gotten to know some of your life disciplines and I happen to know that you participate in, in these three disciplines mentioned in the passage, and you've done so for some time. Can you tell us a little bit about your journey with these? Have you ever struggled with mixed motives? Never. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I was thinking about a couple of concepts from my medical practice, actually, that, you know, kind of relate to this. And the first is, is um, I've been practicing medicine for 33 years. And I'm starting to get pretty good at it, you know? <laughs> right. Um, and the other is, is that uh, somewhere mid in my career, I, I started realizing that as far as office, office practices go, that, you know, sometimes we just need to jump in and try things and not be, you know, overthinking it. Um, you know, and often things will surprise us that we never thought would work, that they do. And other things, you know, we have to tweak. And I think with, you know, all three of these things, you know, it's important just to, um, you know, to kind of jump in and do that. And, you know, certainly I'm thinking, you know, one time when I was at Covenant Life and, you know, I was really growing in my faith there, they were auctioning off a car for a ministry. And I, I believed in that ministry. And so, you know, I I gave the largest bid. Um, and, uh, of course, everybody at Covenant Life Church knew that I bidded the most and um, supported this ministry. And I really believe that, you know, that was my reward you know, was the acknowledgement of men and women. Mm. Um, but I, I did I did appreciate that ministry. Now, later on, we anonymously gave that car to someone in need. And I think, you know, certainly we received the full reward, mm-hmm. you know, from God for doing that. Yeah. So um, definitely have had, um, you know, mixed motives along the way. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, if you aren't doing these things... Um, you know, certainly God wants you just to jump in in some some way or some fashion. Right. If we wait till we're mature to start these, when will we, right? It, exactly. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Just, you know, get started and, uh, you know, you're going to see the fruit of that and it's going to encourage you. So, yeah. yeah. Seems like what you're saying is as, as you practice them, God has a way of weeding out the mixed part of the mixed motives. He does. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Of these... Um, Spiritual practices, I think fasting may be one of the ones that feels most awkward or foreign to most Christians. Kayla, I believe, did, did a good job discussing mm. fasting in her devotional earlier in the series. Um, what kind of fruit have you seen um, from fasting in your life? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, um, 
I have got, I have fallen into a pattern and I did it by trial and error. I mean, I did a Daniel fast, fruits and vegetables, uh, bread and water fast, many days, those kind of things. But what I kind of settled on was on Wednesdays, I get up in the morning, have breakfast, mid morning, I have a snack and then I start fasting at noon and, um, and I fast from food, from social media and from, from TV. And, you know, that night, of course, I spend a little more time in prayer. I might be in scripture, uh, listen to a good message. Um, you know, always uh, at 930 on TBN, I, I participate in worship. And, um, you know, before I go to bed, I'll, I'll have some prayer requests. And I'm just amazed at, you know, how many times I'll wake up on Thursday morning and God has really brought clarity, mm. you know, to something in my life, mm. you know, and it's like, oh, my goodness, that's amazing. And. During, you know, that evening, too, one of the things that I've noticed is that my focus changes. Um, it starts out kind of all me focused. Right. Um, you know, here, Lord, here are my problems. Um, here are the things I'd like to see. And um, during that time, it really changes to, oh, this is who God is. This is what he's doing. Um, this is how he would like me to join him. And it's really good to get that reset, you know, mm -hmm. every week. And, um, and, you know, if you don't have... You can't say you don't have time for fasting because it it does take time to prepare and eat food. And right. so if you don't do that, there's some time right there. And so even if you just fasted from one meal, you know, and spent that time with God, I mean, I I, I think you'll you'll see the fruit of it. Hmm. So um, you know, Laren, when you and I first talked about this passage, um you I asked you some questions and and you had mentioned that uh, God revealed some things to you that really kind of leapfrogged, you know, your prayer life. And um, one of those concepts lies in the passage we read today. Um, what What is that? Yeah, uh, it's found in verses seven to eight, where Jesus speaks against the idea of, of like leveraging a, a quote unquote stubborn or a self-focused God, a, a God of unloving character by many words. Of course, God isn't that way, but he, uh, he corrects this attempt at God control by starting with a simple statement. Do not be like them for your father knows what you need before you ask him. This, uh, this prayer, prayer paradigm shift uh, involved two parts, seeing God as a father and understanding that his God qualities are wedded to his fatherly loving qualities. For many years in my spiritual walk, my prayers would instinctively take on the flavor of how I needed to talk to my earthly parents or other spiritual authorities I'd encountered, people who'd failed me or hurt me or simply imperfect people who were limited like all of us. Uh, and with, without understanding why I did so, I addressed God with that flavor of, of trying to get him to care more for me by my prayer. I talked at him rather than with him. Um, I felt like I needed to get his attention in motion with my prayers to convince him to get involved on my behalf. And at a certain point, God challenged me to begin praying to him based on who he really was, not on my fears or my experience. He was, he was already active on my behalf. He already cared and already understood me. This caused my prayer world to really tilt on its axis. Yes, God wanted me to express what was in my heart and mind, but not to inform him it was to develop intimacy. Yes, he wanted me to ask for things, but with the realization of his active love for me. Most of what I'd been asking, God 
I realized I didn't actually need to ask him, uh, rather than praying prayers that if I stripped away the surface meaning, uh, basically were requests for God to love me, care for me, and get involved on my behalf, or to ask God to give me what I thought was best for me, my my requests started to become almost the, almost the inverse of those things. God, help me to receive your protection better. Help me not to get in the way of your provision for me by panicking and trying to provide for myself through impatient ways. God, help me to receive what is truly loving for me rather than what would make me feel loved. And I, I needed to learn to pray to a God who had perfect, loving, best father ever character. I really like those uh, examples that you gave of how your the the form of your prayers changed a little bit, um, and it really kind of hit me. So it's awesome. Mm. Well, let's uh, let's close up in, in prayer here, Father. Your word is um, is is eternal. It is uh, relevant. And uh, Holy Spirit, I just ask that uh, you might move in the hearts of our listeners today, um, so that uh, this message that uh, you gave through us. Uh, might transform their lives in a good way. In Jesus' name, amen.